what is it like as a player to, to after all that you've experienced immersed in gallery and stuff to walk you know that amen corner where they keep everybody off to side does that actually feel like you're walking into like a painting oh i don't know if it feels like a painting but it is certainly the best 10 minutes of your year as a professional golfer wow. All right, boys. You know the fire pit, obviously. And you've been a part of what we've called fire drills. Alan, same. Mickelson wins at the PGA Championship. Mickelson's ex book excerpt, we like, instead of doing a fi traditional fire pit podcast, multiple voices telling one story, we feel like this is the great week to launch the official fire drill, which around major championships, so daily pods around major championships or major news. And it gives us the freedom to sort of get the same audience and, and telling a different aspect of, of storytelling around the game of golf. So here we are at Augusta, Georgia, covering yet another Masters, being a part of yet another Masters with Jeff Ogilvie, Alan Shipnuck, and myself. It's fun. Yeah, I love the immediacy where we can just jump on a pod when something happens. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun way to to talk about a lot of different things with a variety of different hosts and voices and guests, and it's going to be kind of free flowing. And you can have a better tour guide to the Masters and Augusta National than Jeff Ogilvie, who loves this place. And um, I do you want to talk about 2011 when you made a spirited run and at, at winning this thing? But um, How about the fact that he's just out of the country? I mean, you're, you're moving around. You've been... Yeah, you you've got, been, got off we've, the island. Yeah, we've been stuck for two, two and a half years. Yeah, two years, really. Hard, too, like... Yeah, hard, too, yeah. I mean, really stuck. There was a couple of times, three-month periods where we didn't leave our house, really, in uh, <laughs> Melbourne. So they were, they were being pretty uh, tough on us. But, you know, it was all in the spirit of saving people's lives and stuff so yeah it's kind of weird to move away from the u.s just expecting i was just going to pop back a few months later and a few months later and become and go as i please and i've sort of been stuck the biggest disappointment was you not defending your title at the wishbone brawl <laughs> at goat hill park where last we saw you you aced the ninth hole in a playoff to beat dean wilson and xander shoffley with your partner chris riley Obviously, uh, a good opportunity to share some love for John Ashworth, Link Soul, Jeff Cunningham, co-creators of Link Soul, who, uh, and Ashworth obviously being the caretaker at Goat Hill Park, they made a, um, a shirt, they told me to give this to you. They've made a shirt for uh, Lee Elder's uh, family, and specifically his wife, uh, have some financial troubles. So Link Soul made a shirt that all proceeds to the to the sell selling of this shirt will go to Lee Elder's family. So, 1975, he played in his uh, first Masters. And anyway, this is a shirt for you from wow. from John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham. And for wow. those who are listening and can't see this, that is it's got like some boss like 1970s like graphics. You got you got Lee in green, and I mean, that's pretty sweet. I'm gonna have to snag. I'm gonna snag one of those. That's the putt he made to get into the Masters, really forcing their hand because a tournament yeah. winner would then be exempt into the Masters. So no, I, I recognize it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, uh, you know, this is what Link Soul does, and it's one of the things they do best, which is creating you know creating apparel for a cause, like they're doing for Ukraine, like they did for. Uh, uh, throughout the pandemic, and now what they're doing for Lee Elder. So. And for Goat Hill. They saved and Goat for Goat Hill, Hill saving Goat Hill, and for the Junior Caddy Academy, and raised $150,000 um, this year at the Wishbone Brawl for North County Junior Golf. So uh, much love to John Ashworth, Link Soul, Jeff Cunningham, and everything that they do. And they're a big sponsor of everything we do here at the Fire Pit. So thanks to them. I love it. All right, let's talk about the good stuff here, which <laughs> is the Masters. So. Let's just jump right in 2011 because I think that's one of the most underrated masters ever. Um, let's just set the stage here. It's at a different point on Sunday, eight guys had a share of the lead or the outright lead. 
And Tiger starts off the on Sunday going out in 30 and sets Augusta National on fire, uh, get himself back in contention. Uh, Schwartzel hits one of the all-time greatest shots in Masters history, that sort of bump and run from way short and right of the green. Jars out for eagle, goes number three, no, for birdie, and the number three holes out for eagle. So he, he flies up the leaderboard. Uh, the guy sitting with us here, birdies five in a row on the back nine to snag a piece of the lead. Like, just take us through that that whole day from your perspective, just the roars and the feeling of getting yourself in the mix. Yeah, well, I mean, that was, I don't know, six or seven masters in for me, and I hadn't had the roars that they all talked about, really. You know, you get the odd one here or there, but that day I played with Freddie. I can only tell it from my perspective. I didn't see Schwartz all doing all his thing, and I didn't see all the rest of his stuff, but I was playing with Freddie on Sunday at the Masters, which is the best draw in golf, right? Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Sort of four or five groups before the end, maybe Tiger was in front of us, and Tiger set the whole day up from our perspective, because he's a group in front of us. He was, I think, uh, four under after six or seven and then eight eight you can see for anyone who's never been there you can see from the eighth tee or the seventh green and the eighth tee you look all the way up the eighth and as we were going from the seventh green to the eighth tee we see tiger hit his second shot and you can see him hit this big hook around the corner on eight and it just goes quiet and then all of a sudden it feels like two minutes later you hear the roar because the ball takes so long from where it lands and rolls all along the right edge of the green went down to like this right like it went down to like four feet or something um, and you just heard it getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you knew walking to the eighth tee, Tiger's about to make eagle on eight. You can just tell. And that's the first time on this course I'd ever noticed that you could tell what score. It wasn't only that someone's done, Tiger's done something good. You knew it was a three, not a four, just by the way it sounded. And then he makes eagle on eight, and you hear the cheer up at the roar up at the green. But then you hear the roars, the subsequent roars around the course as they put the numbers up on the leaderboard. So you hear the one on 18, it goes nuts. And then you hear the one down at 11 and 12, it goes nuts. And then you hear the one at 16. You can hear this sequence of roars across the course. It's just outrageous. It's just like, now I know what they're talking about. This is special. Um, and I don't think I was playing that particularly well at this point. I can't really remember. Um, sort of struggling away. And I was kind of out of it and I got to 12 I think and I was no chance gonna win this tournament like there's just no way like I was there was lots of people Tiger I think three putted 11 or 12 didn't he Mr. Short he messed one, yeah. yeah um and so he kind of went away and Charles was up there and I think Jason was up and about Scotty was around Luke Donald was around Bo Van Pelt was around I mean there was names everywhere and I birdied 12 which is a bonus um and I can't really remember 13 or 14, but I know I birdied them both. <laughs> and then 15, I had to lay up. I drove it left, which was my tendency on 15, unfortunately. on I'd pull it behind those trees. Like you see a lot of guys do. It's pretty easy to do because the right trees, you've got no chance. Left, sometimes you've got a chance. Anyway, had to lay it up, which is a nightmare, but had a really great wedge to like 10 feet, made birdie. And then, so I'm now one back, walking to the 16th tee. And now I'm, now I'm actually in it, I feel like. And then playing with Freddie, we both hit that shot on 16, the Wait, famous hold one. hold on. I have to stop you because there's that giant scoreboard by the 15th green. So there's, there's no doubt where you stand in the tournament. So when, when you make that birdie putt on 15, like, what is the adrenaline surge? Like, holy shit, I might win the Masters. Like, what does that feel like? I was less, it's less I might win than I'm in this now. Like, this is what I do. Like, this is my whole life is to, like, have a chance. You know, the winning to me is a byproduct of, I don't know other things i think the goal for me always is just get in the mix because that's the fun part you know just sunday in it back nine this and is you're what you 15 for. to go one back or something on sunday the masters you do that's that's the reason i play like that moment you know it's less about the win at that moment it's like this is this is it i'm here this is the moment you know um and i've had moments in other tournaments but this was the moment my first real moment in this tournament um it's just a good feeling and again, I keep referencing Freddie, but when you play with Freddie at the Masters, you get a standing ovation onto every tee and every green. <laughs> you don't, but you're witness to it because Freddie's getting it everywhere. And it's just, they love him. You can't, a crowd cannot love a person more than Augusta loves Fred Couples. I mean, he is their man. Um, and so the whole walk from the, the right hand side of the 15th green all the way down to the 16th tee, subsequently hitting the 16th tee shot and then getting to the 17th tee, nobody sat down. 
It did not feel like anyway. They just not st they just stop you a little bit to hit your shot. I hit a really good shot up on the tier, rolls down, stiff. You know the one that you think is going to go in from the tee. They all they're all standing up on the edge and they're all going nuts at the green. And then he does the same thing on top of me. So we're both three feet on 16. There's birdies happening everywhere. There's there's all sorts of names on the leaderboard, and they did not sit down and stop cheering until we got to the 17th tee. It was nuts. It was absolutely crazy. Incredible but feeling. I remember, I mean, your shot came really close to going in yeah. on 16. And I remember you telling me once, like, watching it trickle down there, you're like, if this goes in, I'm going to win the Masters. Yeah. Like, like, and it's an agonizing, like, slow little trickle. Like, so just go, like. You almost don't want it to go in because you, you don't want it to be lucky. You want it to be good. It's almost, <laughs> it's a good shot if it's close. It's lucky if it goes in right. I mean, Interesting. Um, <laughs> no, but you've, your whole life you've wanted to hit that shot. Like you get that chance every year when you get to play the master. You get the chance to hit that shot, right? That lands 15 feet right and it rolls down and it might go in. And um, It's actually a pretty easy pin outside of the masters, that pin. I mean, anywhere 30, 40 feet right of the pin with any sort of right distance seems to end up next to the hole. But to actually hit the shot that you've seen so many people hit, over the years and actually as soon as I hit it I knew it was good like as soon as I hit it I knew it was good it's like five at Goat Hill Park I, I, I can totally relate yeah. <laughs> except for it's Goat Hill Park <laughs> and yeah just an unbelievable just to be in the mix and there's roars everywhere at this point people are making birdies everywhere and at that point when I got to the 73 there was five five of us tied for the lead oh my god um, and as I said we were about fourth last group I think maybe fifth last group fourth last group there's a lot of people in the mix and um, I can't remember. Well, Schwartz was in the last group, right? I think. Yeah. Charles. Yeah. So he was leading going in. Yeah. Him and he was, he he was playing with KJ Choi. KJ. Yeah. Who played well at the Masters? Yeah, he, he had a share. Time. He was. Yeah. I think he was eighth guy who had a share of the <laughs> Yeah. And I parred the last two holes, hit at the front bunker on seventeen, which is kind of not the worst place to hit it. Up and down, part eighteen, and uh, ended up losing by four. Wow. Which didn't feel like it when I was going up the last. I think I was now one back when I was going up the last. Oh, Birdie here would be great, but par, you never know, right? And the group behind me, Luke Donald, chipped in to finish on the same score as us. And we thought, well, this is all right. Like, hang around, don't leave the clubhouse sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly erased by Adam Birdie, 15 and 16 behind us to go two in front of us. And he wasn't going to drop two shots. But Scotty, he's the most hard done by that week because he was two in front on the 17th tee on Sunday, wow. parred the last two holes and lost by two. Well, Schwartz will birdie the last four, right? Last four, the last four yeah. holes, yeah. which is yeah. just, mm, that doesn't happen, right? It just doesn't happen. I mean, 15, 16, yes, but um, 17's a tough hole, and we've seen birdies on 18, but not after the three birdies previous. Well, like. And 17, he drove into the rough and had to bend one around a tree limb. It was probably the best shot of the day, even even though he, he jarred two others to get there, but an incredible shot, given the circumstances. Some days are your day. It was clearly his day all day, right? If you actually yeah. look back at what happened to Charlotte that day, it was like, well, it's his, it was his yeah. turn, right? If you think back to your whole, your master's career, is that the one that you replay the most or, or is it, you don't even play that game? You don't do that? I don't play that game, yeah. no. Not really. I had a, I've always had a good time here. I'd love to play it again. Um, never missed the cut. Always sort of played all right. Wow. Um, uh, it's the sort of thing that just, I needed stuff to be this big to engage fully properly mm. I think now that I look back like when you play 30 tournaments a year mm. not taking it away from any other tournament and when you when I was young I could get into it didn't matter I could get into didn't matter how small the tournament was but when you do it 30 times a year you keep, you're always looking when you start getting in the majors and stuff you just start looking towards the majors and the big tournaments to actually get a like to be fully engaged it sounds funny that you wouldn't get engaged on Thursday at Torrey Pines or wherever, but it's different when your whole mindset is about winning tournaments like this. So when you're at tournaments like this, you're, you're fully there, whereas when you're the last week at San Antonio or something, you're, you're thinking about here when you're there. So you're not fully, fully engaged, yeah. you know? I, I also think that having you and I buzzed around Melbourne and played, you know, however many courses we played in so many days, but there has to be something to the fact that when you go, I remember asking Tom Doak where would be the one place you'd take like a buddy's trip. And he said, Melbourne. And I was like, really, Melbourne? And then having been there and seen the quality of golf and the architecture and the strategy to almost every shot you're hitting, was there something to the fact that you grew up around this, around this level of, of a venue and shot making and strategy 
did it take certain venues here to actually pique your interest from an architectural and strategic standpoint? Did, or did, did you fall asleep sometimes out there for the generic U.S. architecture from time to time? It's less about the architecture and more about the setup, okay. I think. Okay. Um, I think you can have great courses set up boring. You know, you can have average courses set up really fun, you know. Um, but as far as Royal Melbourne, I, mean, I grew up next door to Royal Melbourne. I currently live right, right like, literally next door to Royal Melbourne. That, if any greens in the world that you would go to to get ready for this, I'd go there. Mm. You know, I mean, it's not practical. It's 20 hours in a plane away and <laughs> um, the seasons are different <laughs> and all that. But, like, it's the, the shots that, you, that I grew up watching golf tournaments at as a kid at Royal Melbourne. There was a tournament there every year when I was a kid. Like everybody came, Jack, Greg, Freddie, Payne Stewart, everybody played in Australia in those days. It was Watson. It was, I grew up watching putts at least and short game shots and shots into greens that people play here. You know, that to me was professional golf. And I think if the architecture side of thing, the lack of engagement hit me a little bit. It's just cause you, it's, you you narrow professional golf unfortunately sometimes comes down to who drives it the longest and the straightest and who puts the best you know mm. whereas when you get places to like this and oakmont the old course marion and Riv, riviera does it every year and even like whole, courses like kapalua to be honest they do it like it's not Herbert what Town. everyone would necessarily think is like maybe it looks like a resort it isn't kapalua gets you to like oh, tons of geometry and all yeah and, and use the slope and then don't fight the the land use the land and like use your where am I best approaching? When the fairway's 100 yards wide, you have to decide where the best place to come in from and stuff. And I think when it's like that, I engaged more. But generally, I think it was it's set up. If it's firm, the pins are interesting, you know, I think I, I got into it. But it was more just the, the occasion, I think, mm. more than anything else, if that makes sense. So you said you'd like to play the Masters again. Maybe we should just pause a little bit for the listeners and recognize, like, Jeff has become part of the Fire Pit Collective and you're thinking about maybe more macro role in the game than, than just playing. But for the people at home, where are you in your career? What What is the depth of your ambitions? What, what would you like to accomplish? Like, let's just get that out of the way real quick. <laughs> real quick. Or take well, 20 minutes, whichever you prefer. I, look, I don't really know. It's a moving target. When I, I moved back to Australia a few years ago, needing a bit of a gap year, because I was just over it um, a little bit. Spend a bit of time with the kids, travel a bit less let them sort of soak up Australia a little bit, um, all that sort of stuff. And then COVID came a lot and I was planning on just playing a few, you know, doing a few things like this, absolutely. Um, so I've never hated this side of things, like a lot of my peers, but um, <laughs> uh, still think of myself as a golfer, you know, but knowing that I've scratched my itch, you know, like I don't need to scratch it anymore. like. I'm a golfer, so that's kind of what I would... My comfort zone is playing a golf tournament. Um, but understanding that it's are, there's, it's not all the dreamy life it looks, you know, mm. especially when you've got kids and family and it's nice to be home. And a golf tournament isn't you don't go away for the weekend when people tune on TV as a weekend. We've been there since Monday, you know, and then we leave on Sunday and we go somewhere else from Monday to Sunday. And then we leave and we go somewhere else from Monday to Sunday. It's like, it's quite a long sort of a lot of time away from home and I'm not there at the moment. So I'll still think I'll play wherever I can and fit it in, but it, I'm done being a full-time golfer. So I like this side of things. We're building golf courses now. Um, me and Michael Cocking and Ashley Mead have sort of, I'm really learning from them. They're 20 years into this sort of business. I'm in sort of about 10 years and um, sort of really hitting their hitting their stride or we're hitting our stride and sort of getting some nice properties to work with and doing all that and that's really exciting and this side of things the fire pit and getting to talk the rubbish that's always been in my head about the game <laughs> i think it's just i think it's really interesting and i could talk about golf indefinitely um one man's rubbish is another man's treasure yeah right and that's what's so good about give, give it, yeah, yeah. No, we'll make that a shirt <laughs> the fire pit <laughs> jeff's rubbish is our treasure <laughs> you're uh i mean you look like you're in great shape the, the talent is not drained out of your body but to get back to the masters or to, to have another run is it just come down to commitment like do you want to pay that price to really get your game razor sharp like is that oh, i'd question? love to pay that price i mean that's <laughs> all i and as i kind of i would i i would hint at 
to everybody and it's not hard it's not hard work for me like that's comfort zone for me is getting up in the morning with a mission you know with golf i think that's to be honest i've always found that relatively easy because you want it you know it's better than getting in the car and driving to the office every day right? <laughs> my office is the golf course yeah. you know that's a good office um but life gets progressively more complicated um and there's and your priorities change you know like kids are pretty important family's important being at home i spent 20 years not in my home country you know and i'm just kind of enjoying being around my people a little bit even though for all i could easily end up spending the last 50 years of my life here too at the moment i'm really enjoying australia and um having a good time i don't i really don't know i could have played my last tournament i don't think i have you know um and i could sort of get my life arranged where i can play a bunch as well as do all this other stuff yeah. and you always have the sand belt and sand the sand belt, yeah. yeah so that's piquing the interest and i've been playing a lot with the kids the young sort of elite up-and-comers um trying to help them in a well i just want to hang out with them because they're young and they're frothing on golf and like they're good and they hit it further than me and i, I want to play with them but also playing with them it makes me realize that we have sort of knowledge for them that they can benefit of them. And I say we, we being those who have played on tour for 20 years mm -hmm. or so. And we have a few in Melbourne now. Nick Ahern's there, Marcus Fraser played in Europe for 15, 20 years. Um, and a whole bunch of other guys who have played elements of tour golf. These kids are getting taught really golf, the fundamentals of golf better than we ever did. But mm. they're a little bit clueless as to tour golf and what makes a tour golfer and what really what skill sets are really sort of valued out there and are important and which ones aren't and it's fun to play with them and sort of have them pepper us with questions about tour life and management and where should I play and do we go to do I go to the west coast or the east coast of the US or should I go to Europe first or what do you think about Japan and like what am I going to expect and all that sort of stuff and I find that stuff really fun especially playing with young enthusiasm, playing with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is a rare commodity on guys who've been on tour for 20 years, as <laughs> you guys have yes. come across, you know, <laughs> like the youngsters, I mean, they're bouncing off the walls, right? I mean, they're just excited about everything. So we get jaded about not getting three new drivers a month as opposed to only two or something, you know what I mean? Like they're like frothing on the idea they get Pro V1s on the range, you know, like, and that's just exciting to be around. <laughs> so being around those guys and playing with them is fun too. So. I really have no, I'm just doing today and we'll see what happens tomorrow, you know. Okay, I thought we should, that was a necessary diversion. Now let's get back to, let's get back to the Masters. So, um, you know, you do have that discerning eye for architecture. You're out there at the course today on, on Tuesday. Um, what do you think of the changes and particularly the tree in the middle of the fairway at 11? Well, it's, <laughs> it's, in, it's in the middle of the fairway, but it's, there's now three trees where there were 50 trees. Yeah. It's definitely an improvement, but uh, it's a net positive. But that, that tree looks really weird to me, I, to my eye. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm down with it. Um, I don't know. Look, I think they have their challenges clearly with what's happened to how far people have hit it in the last 20 or 30 years, you know. And they really always seem to be intent on just retaining the sort of same sort of clubs and shots that have always, that Jones and McKenzie wanted us to hit in here, you know. Um, and 11 has been one that they've had a few cracks at in the last 20 years, you know, <laughs> like it's the one, it seems to be the one that they want to get right, you know? Um, and I think when they first narrowed it, it was too narrow and they, without telling anyone, sort of progressively widened it over the years anyway. I don't know if you noticed that, but mm -hmm. the very first year it was really narrow and the fairway's way to the left and the fairway got a little bit further and further to the right. It's a better hole when you, let people miss their drive to the right because the second shot is so interesting from the right because of that big lump before the green you can't run it up from the right because you run up from the right you're either going to be on the 12th tee or you're going to be in the water but like you can't run it onto the green from the right hand side so i think allowing people to miss it and before we'd hit it in the right trees and you'd just chip it out now people are getting in the right trees i know hideki and phil and that have or tiger have escaped trouble over there but they were kind of fortunate Right. Um, the last couple of years they were fortunate they were so far right but now people are going to be under those trees that tree that you don't like they're going to try to go for it which is fraught with all sorts of danger you know and it's asking questions they, they want 
recovery shots out here. And I think when they allow recovery shots, the course is at its best, you know, and I think 11, well, time will tell. I think 15's a bigger change. I think 15 could completely profoundly change the tournament if... The T. Yeah, because yeah. 20 yards is a lot on that hole because... And it feels more uphill too now, the drive. Like, you're further down the hill a little yeah. bit. Um, it's not the hole you want to have 230, 240 into <laughs> because you have to go for it, right? And we always see, and everyone talks about, oh, yeah, but guys have been hitting six and seven irons in here. But they have on Sunday when the weather is right, like 20 yards further back. If it like, gets into the wind and it's a little bit soft like it might be, you, if you get the whole field laying up, I think they've got that wrong. Yeah, because I think it, it'll be a bit that, boring if everybody lays it up. And you know isn't I mean? that? But isn't that again the tiger proofing actually ended up played into the hands of longer hitters by making that a longer hold? Doesn't that actually benefit the longer hitters? Always, always. I mean, I've I, it always. This is my new thing. It's like adding length is not the answer to a distance issue. It should take away length away. Exactly. Like it just seems like they're going in the wrong direction. I, I don't, I, this is, it's bothering me. Like, uh, uh, the longer hitters are going to love the fact that 15 plays 20 yards on her because now the yeah. shorter guys are forced to lay up and the long guys can actually still go for it. But when the long guys go for it, it'll be a more dangerous shot. I mean, they were hitting eight irons in. You know, Sergio hit an eight iron in 15 with the Masters on the line. As you know, uh, you're not going to hit an eight iron perfect every time, but it kind of takes a water out of play. Like, he's going to get the yardage more or less right. But like when, when Jennifer Kupcho won the, the analyst, she hit a hybrid in and it was a dangerous shot. She could have lost the tournament. Like, I think if you get guys having to hit four and five irons, that's exciting. But they will. I mean, 20 yards, again, people see Sunday afternoon and they think, oh, everyone's hitting eight on in here. I assure you the year that Sergio hit eight on in on Sunday, half of the field had to lay it up that week because they didn't drive it far enough. You know, like it's not like the whole field hits eight on in, you yeah. know, and he's feeling it and it's Sunday and the weather was there. I think, look, they'll get it right. They never get it wrong here ever. And if they, they've got the weather and they know to the yard how much the ball's going to run on the fairway by Sunday, they'll have the tee up. They'll make it. It'll work. It'll right. be perfect. You know? Well, that's but a I good point. I think that's... 11's always been tough. It's always going to be tough. It's just made a tougher hole, maybe slightly tougher, you know, yeah. but almost easier off the tee a little bit in a way, you know. 15 is a profound change if it gets into the wind and the whole field one day has to lay up and they all have that wedge shot. I mean, some guys have probably, have, and Dustin's probably hasn't had that wedge shot that much. You know, Rory, like they've always gone for the green. It'll be interesting because it's the hardest wedge shot in golf by a long stretch. I mean, that's kind of fun actually. I would love to see that. That's that's stressful for those guys. Yeah, right? really stressful. But it's a good point. They, they don't have to use, they don't have to tip it out. I mean, they can, they could, they could play with it. So a couple of days it's, it's a ball buster and a couple of days they move it up 20, 30 yards and. The tee's 20 yards long, so it'll be the same as what it was. The front of the tee yeah. is probably where the back of the old one was, so. Yeah, yeah so. I, I've, I've always loved when Live From has Crenshaw on and he kind of takes them, takes them through the golf course and he goes hole by hole. I'm not saying that you have to go hole by hole, but I'd be interested in just sort of as you almost like Mike Kaiser does when he when he assesses a golf course, he kind of gives it a one through ten rating per hole, and then he tries to see how many you know where it stacks up in terms of how he rates it. Can you just kind of breeze through the golf course and just give us your sense of hole by hole what you what you kind of think of the hole as it relates to sort of the greater good of of architecture? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, one is underrated as it's one of the tougher holes on the course, I would say. Um, it would be less tough, I guess, if it wasn't the first hole. Um, but it's a tough hole. I mean, it's longer than people think from back at the Masters tee. You've got to hit a decently solid one to get it up on the flat. And then you've got sort of seven or eight iron to the hardest green on the course, arguably the first, because there's no bailout on the first. You can't, if you're left of the, left of the green or long of the green, you're, gonna, you're gone. You can't get it up and down. It's almost impossible to get them down. Over the back, it's actually hard to get your chips out on the green. Um, right's really the miss, but you don't really want to try to miss the first green on purpose, you know. Um, no real bail from halfway up the green, and a lot of times the ball will come off the green, so you can't just try to hit it five on the front and like have an uphill putt because it'll come off. So it's a hole that gets you defensive from the start. Um, it reminds me of the ocean, that green, like the, you can almost like see the, the ripples of the waves. Yeah, it's an insane the way, green. The way it moves, yeah. Yeah, and it architecturally makes perfect sense. The bunker's on the inside of the dog leg. You could drive it close to the bunker, you get your angle to the front left pin the minute. It doesn't really 
in reality play like that. You're just trying to hit the fairway and hit the green. Um, but it ticks the box, right? It's, yeah. It makes sense. Two. Well, hey, what would you rate number one if you had to give it a one through ten as a first hole? <laughs> but what's on on on, on a scale of one to ten of just being of good? Sort of, yeah, yeah. Of what you would consider ten is, a ten good. is an amazing hole. One's a turkey. Well, if thirteen's a ten. Um, if 13 is a 10, it's one of the greatest. Yeah, one of the greatest. Um, I don't know. It's a seven or eight yeah. or something. It's a good hole. Like you'd, yeah. be, you'd be happy if that was your first hole in any course, right? Yeah, we'll like give it a 7.5. And whoever built that green and designed that green, I mean, like you'd be proud of that green. Yeah. You know. Eight. I think it was Perry Maxwell, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Eight. Two. Two's a cool hole. Two's a weird tee shot. Two breaks the traditional rule of having the trouble on the inside of the dog leg. It, like challenges you on the outside of the dog leg there. But it makes sense because you want to drive it right because you get the angle to the green. Um, odd tee shot too. Um, and got longer and longer and longer um, as the years went on that I played it. Like when I was a kid, I mean, when in 97, Tiger hit like eight iron or something into two, right? Some yeah, crazy yeah. in like on Sunday or something. <laughs> like that, I've never, I can't even ever imagine. I've never hit less than like maybe two on. Wow. Um, Two's an unbelievable green. Like the whole course is about greens, really, to be fair. Um, greens and slope, they use slope very well. I don't know where I'd rate two. Two's an unbelievable, again, I would have been very happy to come up with two. It's a very interesting second shot. There's zero rough, nothing to worry about in the second shot whatsoever, yet you have to get really sort of focused. You have to miss the ball right of the pin, generally. Yeah because the whole thing is back left to front yeah, right, that yeah. green. And if you're anywhere sort of right of the pin as you play the hole, you've got a chance to get up and down and stop it. That green um, reminds me, what is the first par five on Royal Melbourne West? Is that four? Four West? Yeah, that green, that was my favorite shot on that course, uh, going into that green. And it's, it just kind of reminds me of two, the way it's banked and sloped and you can- Such you, a great hole. You can, you can play about seven different shots to get to the flag. and. They're super fun shots around the green. That front, that, that Sunday-ish pin they've been using for the last 10 years or so, that's a fun pin to pitch at, you yeah. know, because you yeah. can kind of hit it up the middle of the green and get it next to that. And even yeah. long shots can come up and roll up that, you know, roll up that, work yeah. that slope. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a neat, it's, it's a neat green. I don't know where I rate to, it's a great par five though. Like, and it shows you, you don't, you just look, it's a hundred yard wide fairway. There is really no trouble around the green, a couple of bunkers, but it'll drive you nuts and there's a three or a seven there yeah. or even more if you drive it left if you drive it left there's a little creek down the bottom of the hill and the flowers and stuff you don't want to hit it down there you like an eight we'll give it an eight eight yeah so now we can always come back and change a little bit upon further review <laughs> third hole three's a cool hole oh. three's it's got better now i think the guys at driver almost yeah you know because when i for the first few years i played everybody just hit sort of their two or three on up level with the bunkers and wedged it on um, and the only time we would hit driver early days was when that pin was in that tucked back right bit, you know, because it was kind of good to be down close to the green. You could sort of run it up to the pin. Um, incredibly hard green, awkward hole. Second shot, it goes away from you, the, that left-hand side of the green. It's almost impossible Crazy. to get a wedge on the green on that left-hand side. You know, awkward, uncomfortable feeling hole to play. You know, again, I don't know. I'm not good with ratings. Yeah. But there's see. better short par fours in the world than three at the Masters. But there's something about the hole that, yeah, I don't For know. Where it's... it is in the routing too. I mean, you know, uh, coming off a, 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 a scorable five, an unsettling short three, then a long four. I mean, a long par three is the fourth. Two and what? three is where you have to make your score. Exactly. That's what's know? cool. That because because four and five are ball busters. So. Like three is an opportunity. Even if you're like, I don't know if I should drive here. I'm not feeling it yet. I'm easing into the round, but you can yeah. almost have to like. One, four and five are really tough. So you really want to birdie at least one of two or three. Hopefully both, right? Um, that's sort of insurance against four and five. Yeah. You birdie two and three. Um, really awkward, tricky hole. It's not in my top 18 holes in, in the world, but really you cool. Respect it. Yeah, and it's one of those greens. That's one of the greens that you first get to here that just makes you appreciate the tilt on these greens. It's <laughs> outrageous. Like, because that's not... Some of the greens here are like, with the, the kind of got the wavy bits in them or the different sort of levels. That one's just pure tilt. <laughs> and it's... That's when you first really... You've got this... Your caddy will tell you you're aiming four feet right of the hole or something on this putt and you think you're being really smart and he like aims you 
15 feet right of the hole for your putt and you're like nah there's no chance and you don't do it and you miss the putt way low you know like it's three is tough you miss it over the green really for your second if you can you know over the green and left of the pin four is just four's a beast four's an amazing par three like if you built that anywhere else I've got an unbelievable green like people would run you off out of the business like it's you know like how hard a hole is that it's so um, hard I can't remember one masters in, in the 90s one of my first masters they had the pin on that front little tongue and it was that, that's they even softened that slope and guys were four and five putting and there was this a lot of unhappiness but I thought it was cool it was like it was that front pin they don't use that very much they don't I think it was probably because of that day it was like it was out of control like as you're saying it's on the edge of of being unfair depending where they put the flag yeah it actually plays a lot more doable for for doable in the tournament for some reason you're hitting three irons to that back right thing and stuff I don't know it's a really tough hole but it's a playable tough hole you know I don't know 240 250 it sounds so unreal I don't know, it's downhill and you're pumped up and generally would be more downwind, I would have said, than into the wind, generally, even though it sort of blows all over the place. Um, yeah, tough hole, great par three. For a long par three, it's legit. I'd be very proud of having that hole mm. if I'd build that hole. Like, no, it's crazy green too. Again, how do you build that green? Like it's, people don't have an appreciation for how slopey and how sort of gnarly these greens are and how different that hole can play from that front left pin to the back right one. I mean, the back right one, it's only about four from the hedge and the trees. I know. You know, it's a three on, and you really kind of have to go for it because if you don't go for it, you're 100 feet away. Like, as if you land much left of that pin, it just goes all the way down to the left. I feel like I've seen a lot of visuals of guys, you know, ass coming out of those hedges looking for their ball <laughs> digging around in there on the right hand side it comes up quick yeah you can yeah, land on the yeah. grain and go in there almost I mean, phil should have won the 2012 masters he took that triple bogey rumbling around right hand out of the hedge i mean <laughs> what a debacle it's it so comes up watch. quick there yeah yeah four's a great hole i i would have been proud of building that one that's a good hole five brutal hole that's just got harder and harder i mean that green again you cannot even imagine it's so long now like it was longish before they added this, what they had 30 a couple of years ago, 40? Yeah, at least. Um, out onto Berkman Road. Yeah, like 50 or 60. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like between driver and three would just don't hit it left off the tee. As long as you were right, you're okay. And you have a five or six on to a pin that's like, how? Do you, it's like, a, it's like an old course green. That really feels like a green at the old course done it at the front there. Yeah. And it's like trying to hit a five on on top of a Volkswagen Beetle. And like, good luck with that. It's almost yeah. like they take birdie out of play. There, it's just not. It's just not a birdie hole. You just gotta get lucky. You just on the get, bounce or something. Yeah, you got. It's it's just survive. Get up somehow, finagle a par and get the hell. out It's of funny. It. it plays a lot more. I mean, when you when I first played it in the practice rounds and stuff, and I'm like, when I first got here, I'm like, there's just no chance. Like, how do you even hit this green? But like, you can. You know, mm-hmm. for some reason in the tournament, you just I don't know. Isn't that what's great about it? You hit it 20, 30 feet past, hopefully, and like past and left of it on the green, that low bit somewhere in the middle, and mm-hmm. putt it up and two putt and try to get out of there. It's, um, you don't miss the green. You don't miss it short. You miss it short once, and then you don't miss it short again because short, you're not making par. Mm-hmm. You know, and then right's awful. Um, you just do the best you can there. That's just one of those. It's a bit like 11. You just, if you could pencil in four, four times, you would run away as fast as you could. You know? <laughs> I think this was so great about Augusta is almost every hole is like a half par hole. We're either talking about good birdie chances or really, really hard pars. Yeah, that's a big one. There's, there's very few kind of just easy pars. Like either either you stand up there and you hit a great shot and you have a chance at three or you're going to get your teeth kicked in and you'd be lucky to make a bogey. Like that to me is what makes it such a fun tournament course because there's a wide dispersion of outcomes on every single swing. Yeah, and it demands respect so often, you know. Respect I mean, decisions that you just have to respect what can happen. You know, you just have to. And we don't have that very often anymore. We just, or not anymore, ever, really. You just don't have that. Look, really. look, look to your point, Alan. One is basically a part four and a half. Yeah. Two is a part four and a half. Three is a part three and a half. Four is a part three and a half. And five is a par four and a half. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. No, you don't get to a true par until really six, six, which is a par three. Yeah. But then if you go long at six, like, yeah, but you it's, could be dead there. Yeah, if but short, you have a hundred foot putt. Like, but in terms of length and and, correct, and it's, yeah. it's it's a true par three. Yeah, and then you get into a couple par. You know, seven I would call a true four. Yeah, it's gotten harder though. It's all about pins. I mean, look, six 
is an unbelievable hole. The pins down the the bottom, it's a birdie hole. The pins up the top, it's just trying to make par. Mm. You know, that top tier that they usually have twice is just people don't know how small that is. I mean, we're hitting sixes and seven irons under this. Like, it's a table. It's a dining table. And if you miss it, you've got a hundred footer or you're off the right-hand side of the green. Like, but you can't not go for it because who wants the hundred footer? So it forces you to hit a shot that's just outrageously hard, you know. And the weeks you're playing well, you do, you know. Um, it's funny how often you do hit it up the top of that six hole. Like, we must be better than we think, you know. Oh, well, that's that's definitely true. Well, that, that was a Faldo-ism. He always said, I knew my iron game was down if I could hit a shot on six was pin high. Yeah. The back flag. Yeah. He always talked about that. Yeah. So wow. six is great. It changes from an easy hole with the two low pins to the two high pins to being really, really hard. Seven's the same. Seven with the pins on the left on the high bit. That's so hard, that hole. Long, narrow, ball below your feet, second shot. Sort of almost, it feels like you're almost down slopey to hit it up, you know, and the ball's landing so flat on a shallow green that it doesn't, you can't just have it hit and stop there because it's uphill. But then you get that pin on the right, and it's like Short right you're trying fun. to hold your second shot, yeah. right? It's, it's like, like the outright chance hole. at an eagle I mean, from the fairway. 16th hole, when you start getting the ball funneling. Yeah. Or, Which two, is so or fun. two, front right two, like that becomes the fun factor. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, it's just total fun, you know? And you're actually realistically thinking, oh, I could actually hold this if I get it in this 10 yard gap on the right hand side of the green. Just dreamy. Yeah. Um, Seven again. I don't know where I wrote. I'll write them all at the end. Well, well, yeah. I kind of I love this kind of the half par thing because counting the number of half pars is also a great indicator of just how I think how great the golf course can be and yeah. how how much fun it is and why this holds up as mm-hmm. as a reoccurring major championship venue in which they can dictate what happens based on pin placements. And, and, and you just and have to eight, get eight, you'd call a par four and a half. Just like you would five, but it's 100 yards longer, right? <laughs> like, yeah, eight's not really four. I mean, I always found eight really long. Again, so people, five, we watched, right? they, they show Dustin and Rory and Phil and Tiger and that play that all, but like very few of the field are hitting it on that green in two. It's par five. Regularly, yeah. That's a yeah. proper par five. Yeah. Most yeah. people bail their second shot out to the right. Yeah, I mean, when guys are winning, they're, they're hitting it on the green and stuff, but there's a lot of years where everybody's, would you would play four, four third shots from 50 yards from the green. Um, it's pretty long. The bunker is... Carrying the bunkers, like the domain of only the very, very, very freakishly long. You know, eight's a proper, you gotta hit a proper tee shot, and you gotta hit a really good second shot to hit on that green. And the green is tricky. That's my least favorite green here. Eight, eight wow. I would say. Um, you'd probably get that out of most. I just don't like the mounds. Yeah. The mounds seem out of character. Um, but eights, I had a few cracks of that over the years. Eight. Have you seen the back. photo of Clifford Roberts's vision for? Eight? Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah, it's better with the mounds. What is it? He he didn't like the mounds. They took the mounds away, and the whole green was raised up about a foot it's like on its edges, song, yeah. and it just looked like a little. It's like the silhouette. It's like a chalk outline of an actual green. It's yeah. really weird. It's a strange. It's a strange one. Yeah, it's that's funny. why the green. That's why the club chairman should not be allowed to be the. Arc- <laughs> But it kind of <laughs> it kind of works. Like they do it a lot here, which breaks the rules. Is they open it up from the outside of a dogleg. I mean, normally, yeah, all the best holes, you've got to challenge the inside of the dogleg to get the good angle to the green. Right? Think thirteen. If thirteen's a perfect hole, you, the closer you get it to the creek, the easier your second shot. You know? Whereas eight, it's almost the further right you go on your second shot, the better you are. Mm. You know, which is because you can just hit it over the mounds normal. and take them out of play. Well, you just, you, you don't have to hit it near the trees. Like traditionally, like you would, a traditional like architect purist 101 would be you hug the corner, hit the easy pitch shot, you know, but there you actually, you go wide, you know. It's the same as nine. Nine's interesting again, because nine opens up from the right, yeah. the outside. And normally Mackenzie would have opened it up from the inside. But that's using this that's the extra dimension of using side slope that they use here it cambers the wrong way it's high on the left low on the right and you it's a draw it's a green that you have to draw it into from the down slope ball below your feet it's like olympic club a little bit in terms it's a bit of like 13 asks you to hit a fade into the 13th green with the ball above your feet which yeah. is completely counter to what you want to do nine asks you to hit a draw from the ball below your feet down slope which is all it is is low cut low cut and that shot deserves a high draw which is why this course finds the best and it's less about form and more about pedigree 
because it's just only uh, there's only a few people who can do that on a, for 72 holes. Nine, you know? you'd call a true par four. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Nine's a quality. You got to hit a really good tee shot. It makes you think you've got to hit a really strong draw down there, but you really actually want to smash it down the right hand side to open up the green a little bit. It's funny, the first five holes could be considered half pars of some sort, then the next four are true par fours, and then you go to the back nine. Yeah. I mean, the ninth yeah. hole, to me, the volatility of the ninth hole. Yeah, easy to make a five there for sure. Yeah, Hard yeah. Hard to make a three. Um, sure, and then look, 10's up four and a half, 10 and 11 are four, half, so four and a half, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, 10 is, if 11's not the hardest hole on the course, 10 is. Um, <laughs> So you start the back nine with just complete brutality. And 12, to be fair, you can put that in there because, I mean, that's a par three, isn't it? It's yeah. just a par three that's got a two to eight or nine. I mean, it's got everything. Yeah. 14 um, to four, 15's a four and a half, 16's a three. 14's a, 14's a four, 15's a four and a half, four and a half. 16 is a three, 17 is a four, 18 is a four. Four. Yeah, I mean, like 16, again, it's all pin position because 16, the two high pins, it's the hardest part of the course almost. The two low pins, it's hard to not make birdie sometimes, you know, which not is, the geni which is again, is a genius because 16, one day is the hardest hole on the course and the next day is the easiest hole on the course just because you've moved the pin 30 feet. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> wow. Just incredible. And, and same on six. I mean, the, the volatility of the par five, I mean, every, every, every pin position, every pin position can dictate right. the difference of a, of a, of a, of a, for, a full shot one way or the other. I, mean, I think yeah. how different that is from like Pebble Beach where you just want to hit to the middle of the green and you don't have a 15 footer on pretty much every hole. I mean, there, there's some really tough pins like say 14 front right is a lot different than back left, but you don't talk about the pins at Pebble nearly the same way because it just doesn't change the course. As no, generally. yeah, the, the, the drama and the stress at Pebble is before you get to the green, generally. Yeah. Here yeah. it's really when you get to the, the whole hole is geared about where's the pin and how do I get to that pin the best. Essentially identifying nine half pars at Augusta National, in my opinion, is, is what would make it and, and you could probably do the same at Royal Melbourne, but why it's such an amazing major championship venue and why it's so much fun to not only watch, but also seemingly to play. Yeah, and, and volatility. Shows you the irrelevance of par a little bit too. Right, like, right. Um, I mean, it's, we all like it to measure everyone's score during their round, right? But it really doesn't matter. Right. Um, wow. And is 16 a great hole? I'll say 13, they're all great holes depending on whether they're hard. I mean, 16 is a great hole when it's playing really hard and 16 is a great hole when it's playing really easy. Like, it, it's got nothing to do with how hard it plays, how good it is. This course, whether the hole is set up as easy as it can or as hard as it can, it doesn't make it any less good or bad. It's just great either way. What would be your ultimate six-hole routing if you could identify six holes from Augusta National that you would extract and put in your backyard and that you could play for the rest of your life, what six holes would those be? Well, 13 would be the showpiece. I think yeah. 13 is the perfect golf hole. So 13 um, is there. You just play that six times. Yeah. <laughs> I think 13 is great. 15 is fun. Um, I mean, it's mostly the back nine. I think 10, I really, I think 10's a great hole. Um, 12. Would you really want to play that every day? <laughs> <laughs> the Masters wasn't on the line. 16. Maybe. Yeah. 16, yeah. 16's fun. I mean, how fun is 16? I'd put, yeah, I'd 16 as a better hole than 12. 12 is maybe more interesting, you know, but 16's from a player's perspective, fun to play. So you have 10. Imagine the chipping competitions you'd have around the 16th green with your boys. So good. You know? yeah. 10, 13, 15, 16. You got room for two more in your backyard. Two more. Well, I love the 17th green. We will play that loop. We'll go. We'll, we'll stay on that side of the course. Okay. Seventeen, and I'll put one in there because I think one is great. Okay. Wow. See, that's my only critique of Augusta National is eighteen's to me kind of a mediocre hole, and even seventeen is super awkward. That drive, and it, it is a cool green, but um, I don't know. The the finish is always a little let down. Guys walk off the sixteenth green, it's always like ah. Fun's over. Now it's just about oh, 17. Just that on. green, that's like that's close to one of my favorite greens in the world. Oh, it's it's wild, but it's also it's so hard to birdie. Like yeah, 
I mean, I guess you've had your birdie chances, so now it's just about hanging on, but... 18, I don't know, the 18, I don't know, they use the, as I said, they use the slope, like no course that we play uses side slope like this place does. You know, you got, you're on an upslope on one very often, downslope on two, side slope on three, side slope on five a little bit, seven downslope, eight upslope, nine downslope, ball below your feet, 10 downslope, ball above your feet, you know, 11 side slope, 13 massive ball above your feet, 14 ball below your feet, like it's all day, like an 18 is the first one where you just massive upslope and it's a hard swing. I mean, those old times when you'd see guys like miss the second shot way right on 18 green, that's what happens when, the, when you're on a massive upslope. Like, and you haven't had one all day and they present you, well, you've got to get into the clubhouse, you've got to hit the ball from a massive upslope. It's hard, like it's, that's why it finds the best players because that's, as I said, it's less form and more pedigree. Like the one, the guys, those Sergio's or Dustin's or Rory's or Tiger's or those guys who have every shot any day of the week, this finds them, you know, like they, they, they have an opportunity to show what they've got here. Which, whereas in a normal week, when they're flat lies and relatively simple putts and it's just basic golf, they can't show everyone why they are who they are. But this course is the template for them to, like, you have to be them or you can't do it. You know, that's why it's so great. I but, love that. But I had an idea once where you would play the 10th hole, then there'd be an underground tunnel with a high speed train. It would take you to the 16 T. You play 16, 17, 18, then you'd go over to 11, and then you'd finish. The finishing stretch of the tournament would be 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That's how the Masters would end. I think it's genius. Just rejigger the back nine a little bit. Keep the same holes. I heard they've already built the tunnel. The tunnel's probably already yeah, there. Like how, how incredible would that be? I mean, you get, you, get, you get 17 and 18 out of the way early, and then it's amen corner, and then you, you end on 15. Well, Imagine the Masters is at stake. You're standing on the 15th fairway. But I mean, go, going back to to goal nature, I, I, a lot of a lot of golf was played as match play, and they the climactic finish was gen, look at look at Cyprus with the seventeen eighteen finish there. Like you'd wish you could end on. Yeah, like some matches 15, did end 16, on fifteen. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, I, I think that that um, you know Chairman Yang or Chairman Rice should look into that when when Ridley's gone and you reshuffled the holes in the back nine, it could be epic. That's just my all I know opinion. is. Like, we don't know the answers, and they always seem to know the answers. <laughs> this is the best tournament in the world by a long way. Every year it's exciting. Like, that, they know what they're doing. Like, I wouldn't pick it. I wouldn't uh, Okay. I wouldn't upset the apple cart here because uh, they know what they're doing. Like, the sun sets on Sunday, and they finish the tournament, and the winner wins. And like, they, it, I know. That's, they've got this thing whole, so worked out. That's the biggest flaw in my plan is that you'd end down at 15 as a long haul back. Yeah. But I'm just saying... 17-18 don't do it for me as finishing holes. So they flipped the I, nines I, that first year. The first year they had the nines the other way. Can you yeah. imagine that would have been a different? Would, the Masters would be a different story. If oh my god! You teed off on ten and finished on nine, right? Imagine. Yeah. You're you're routing by the way one, ten opening up with two par fours, two tough par fours. We'd have to play them in that then order. Thirteen, do we? fifteen. Well, yeah, but I mean it'd be kind of cool this order. One, ten, thirteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Be a fun fun golf course. It would. A little bit of little volatility and scoring depending yeah. on where the pins are. 13, 15, 13, 15, 17, make your score. Sorry, 13, yeah. 15, 16. This, this is what's so great about this tournament is, you know, is, is Oakmont maybe a better golf course than Augusta National? You made the argument, but no one's sitting around debating every hole. Most golf fans couldn't even name any holes at Oakmont, right? Like, Pebble people know the holes, but there's obviously some weak ones. Like, Augusta's just so fun to talk about these things. Because even the person at home who who has not played in a Masters like you have or covered 27 of them like I have or whatever it is, they just have an opinion. They're they're invested in the golf course and they know what we're talking about in a way that you couldn't do on any other course in the world. I, I'm just hearing him talk, talk recounting 2011 and all the different names who were in and all that was happening and the birdies were happening. You with Freddie and Tiger in front and things were happening. Like... That's all we hope, that's all we can ever hope and pray for is on Sunday after all of what we've waited for for the start of the major championship season is to have eight or 10 guys in the mix those last nine holes and just watch the fireworks happen. It's I mean, so much fun in it, it's the best. That's that, like, you know, hearing you talk about that, being in it, immersed and seeing the scoreboards and the roars and the, 
birdie roars versus the eagle roars and then the other roars on the other board. I mean, seeing it and being there as a, as a, as a patron is amazing. I can only imagine what it's like as a player. I'm actually getting excited about the Masters just sitting here talking about it. <laughs> I'm <mean, I'm> so <laughs> excited. My favorite spot was to sit on 15 left of the green, watch those approach shots, watch them then hit their shots on 16, yeah. see the board in front of the green at 15. I would camp out there for, you know, I, I would I would skip at least two peas and just hold, I would, I would, I would stretch the bladder as long as I could. Yeah, that, that top row, that, that grandstand, so good. Yeah. Um, what 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 are it's better inside the road? <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. What is it, what is it like as a player to to after all that you've experienced, immersed in gallery and stuff, to walk, you know, that amen corner where they keep everybody off to side. Does that actually feel like you're walking into like a painting? Uh, I don't know if it feels like a painting, but it is certainly the best. 10 minutes of your year as a professional golfer wow. when you leave the people <laughs> nothing we love the people and playing in front of people and you guys journalists fans your family everybody it's you and your caddy and one little cbs guy on a on a on a chair back there making sure the camera doesn't break um it's just the best. You're like, where else in any sport can you be 200 yards from the nearest spectator, nearest person, basically, and you're in the middle of the biggest tournament there is. Like, it's not, it's so, it's such a cool little moment from when you leave the 12th tee to when you sort of get to your drive on 13. It's just you, you and your playing partners just playing golf, like in the biggest tournament in the world and nobody's within 200 yards of you. It's just the best. It is such, the 13th day at the Masters is the best place in pro golf. Oh. I've heard um, players talk about if you make a, a putt on 12, the cool thing is it takes a second or two for the wall of sound to hit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's a you speed. Felt that? Oh, yeah. yeah it's, you, you get visceral evidence of the speed of sound because you make it, they see it go in, and you see movement, but there's, I don't know, <sighs> two seconds until you actually start hearing the claps and stuff. It's nuts. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> I'm very used to having long pauses between what I say and having a clap, so <laughs> sometimes they never come. <laughs> They're knowledgeable wow. though. They, they may be, I mean, people talk about the open um, and that is special. They know what they're watching, but here they know what they're watching. Cause I would have said majority of the patrons, the Thursday to Sunday people, Monday to Wednesday is different. I think here it's a different crowd. Thursday to Sunday is they know what they're watching and they know their course. Most of them have been here a lot. They're fantastic people to play in front of. And you know, the measure I think for a player is like a blind green. So you hit it up onto seven here or you hit it over a little hill. Or there's a green that you can't see where it is, 14 or something. Here you can tell within a foot how close the ball is just by how they reacted. Whether it's 40 feet, two feet, it spun back, whether it lipped out, whether it's 20 feet, whether it's an okay shot, whether it's a really good shot, you you can basically guess within a foot, oh yeah, that's probably 18 feet, right all. You know, based on the applause. Based on how they react. And most tournaments you can't, you've got no clue. Cause they're just, they're one timers, right? At Torrey or Phoenix or you know, Hilton Head or whatever. They're not really generally, they're just gonna go to a golf tournament and they don't know the golf course here. They know the course, they know what the good shots are. They know what the bad shots are. They appreciate, a quality wedge shot to 30 feet. If that's what's required, they appreciate that because they know that's what he had to do there because he's going to make double if he went at the pin. It's a really nice place to play from a fan patron perspective because they know what they're watching. Smart and reverent field, smart and reverent, you know, a fan base, smart and reverent architecture and thoughtful, you know, uh, input into the strategy equals, is this the greatest? Uh, by a long stretch this is the best tournament in professional golf or any golf mm. I mean and it's I don't know why I mean Jones was arguably the best golf brain ever maybe that at least put his feelings down on paper and tape I mean bit of a genius I don't know They, it's a product tournament they put everything into making it the best one to play, the best one to go to, and the best one to watch on TV, right? There's the three points that they hit, and that's the points. They don't care about marketing or all the stuff around the outside. That's secondary to them is how good can we make this to play? How good can we make this to visit? And how good can we make this to watch on TV? And they nail that, and the, the, the reward is that it's the best. I think most other tournaments 
there's a bit more of a skew towards marketing and like quick sale and let's make some money this year and let's put a big stand here and we'll put some signs over here. They had zero compromise here. It's all about how good and pure can we make this and keep this and they do it every year. And when you focus on your product, your product gets better, you know? It's the best tournament by a mile. Love it. Well, we, we have you all week. You know, we're, 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 this is going to be a reoccurring thing around major championships, being able to have access to your thought and, uh, and perspective and experiences. And it's, it's very special, obviously, just to, to sit here and listen. But thanks for, your, thanks for your time. And thanks for being part of the Fire Pit Collective. Obviously. No, I love it. This is great fun. I'm talking about what I like to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we love listening. Yeah, indeed. All right. Good stuff. Put another log on the fire. Nobody here is getting tired. 